Have you ever felt frustrated with the world around you? Noticing the weeds of injustice, pain, and struggle seemingly choking out the wheat of goodness and hope. Have you ever been tempted to reach out and yank those weeds out, if only to bring a bit more fairness, a bit more justice, a bit more light into the world? I think we probably have all been there. I know I have. We yearn for a world where righteousness shines like the sun, where the good flourishes and the evil fades away. But what if the solution isn't as simple as pulling out the weeds? What if our role in God's grand garden is about more than just weed control? Today, we are diving into this parable of the wheat and the weeds in Matthew 13, a parable that pushes us to look beyond our human instincts and understand the divine wisdom that calls us to shine like the sun, even among the weeds. Now, before we jump into the main point of this sermon, I wanted to make a note about the word that is translated as weeds here. In the Greek, the word zezanion, that is the word, and it is it's what they always refer to as weeds, but it actually refers to a very specific type of weed, and this is very important for understanding this parable. The weed it's actually referring to is a weed called darnel, and darnel looks almost indistinguishable from wheat, until it is fully grown and the time comes for the harvest. The reason I bring this up is because that's not what I automatically think of when I read this parable. Never. When I read this parable, I don't think of that. When I read it, my brain takes me to the weeds I'm accustomed to. <laughs> Dandelions, crabgrass, those prickly things that seem to grow everywhere. That's what I think of. Weeds that are easily recognizable, easily noticeable, because they look so different from their surrounding plants. But in this parable, Jesus makes the point to express that the difference between the weeds and the wheat are a lot tougher to identify until those plants are grown and they are bearing their fruit. That is why he uses this word here and not some other one that just means a general bad plant. This specific word, that specific weed, to make the point that you can't always tell until it's too late. I want you to keep this as a running thought as we move forward today, if for no other reason than to lower the us versus them mentality many of us have when we read a passage like this, because guaranteed you put yourself in one of those two camps right off the bat when you listen to this parable. Don't do that. Don't do that. In this parable of the weeds, one of the main truths we can pull from it that I believe is essential for how followers of Jesus interact with the world is that even when evil seems to flourish, we can trust that God's timing, fairness, and power to change hearts will in the end bring victory and glory to those who choose to do good. And because I believe this to be true, we should be inspired to trust God more, stay strong in doing what's right, and keep our hope alive for a future where good triumphs and we do shine brightly. The problem is, is our human tendency for immediate justice, our struggle with patience in the face of evil, and our doubts about transformation, they can make it tough to fully accept this call to trust, endure, and stay hopeful. But I promise you this, even though these hurdles may feel big, let's not forget that God's love is bigger and God's promise is clear. Those who trust in God's wisdom, keep doing good, and stay hopeful will shine bright in the world to come. But how can we really continue to trust in God's timing when injustice seems to prevail? No matter where you are along the political or ideological spectrum, I think we can all agree that we feel that this world is being 
fairly unjust most of the time. So how can we trust in God's good timing in a world that seems to persist in injustice? Well, understanding the parable of wheat and weeds helps us trust God more, even when things don't seem fair. Because it really, that's what it comes down to for most of us, fairness. It doesn't seem fair that evil and good get to coexist. Because as I mentioned earlier, it's not always easy to tell the good from the bad. Like how the wheat looks like weeds, or the wheat and the weeds look alike at first. This teaches us that we can't always judge what's happening around us correctly. So we need to trust God's wisdom. And that goes for all of us. We think we know for 100% certainty, but we can't always know because sometimes good and evil look very similar. I mean, that's one of our traditional beliefs in Satan. Satan comes disguised as an angel of light. Good and evil can look an awful lot alike. So we have to trust in God's wisdom and what we learn through Jesus as a representative of God's love in the world. When all is said and done, some of the people we think are weeds will be vindicated as wheat. And some of us who think we are wheat will be shown to have been weeds all along. I think some of us will be shocked that the ones we have viewed as containing the darkest hearts will shine like the sun alongside the ones we expected to see. And some of the expected will be nowhere to be found. We need to be careful with a passage like this because of our tendency to elevate ourselves and devalue others. No matter which side of the theological or political spectrum we are on, it is easy and indeed very alluring to consider our side the righteous wheat and the other side the unrighteous weeds. As followers of Jesus, our job isn't to pull the weeds early, but to help create a space where good can grow for us and for others. That's the frustrating part about this passage is it says our whole job is to just create an environment where things can grow and accept the fact that both good and bad are going to grow along with that. And God will figure out in the end how to discern the two. That is our role in this story. Whether we identify as wheat or weeds in the end, our goal here and now, our goal here and now is to cultivate a space where everyone can grow. So if our goal isn't to just uproot the weeds, then how can we have hope for a future harvest when everything around us seems so terrible a lot of the time? We need to remember that we are not the harvesters in this story. We are not the harvesters in this story. I think that's a big point that gets missed because whether you put yourself in the weeds or the wheat camp, most of us listen to this story and we think it's our job to harvest the crop. It is not. And Jesus makes that really, really clear. Like the servants in this parable, it is so easy to think that we are the ones to weed out the bad plants. And what that really means is that like the servants, we think that we are the ones that get to decide who is worthy of growing with God and who is not. We think we are the ones who get to decide that. We aren't. That is not what the servants are told to do in the story, and that is not what we are called to do here. We are called to live alongside those we consider weeds until such a time when the true fruit of our growth is revealed and those who have the heart and mind of Jesus will shine like the sun and reflect his brilliant love, mercy, and grace. That is what we are called to do. And even then, even then, we are not the ones doing the harvesting. It is easy to read this passage as, when the time comes, the righteous get to weed out the unrighteous. No, that is not what this passage says here. Because again, that's not what Jesus says here. In fact, Jesus says exactly the opposite. 
Jesus himself explains that the harvesters are angels, not the servants. The harvesters are angels under direct divine authority. So even if we are right, and we are the good plants in this crop, or even if we are the servants looking to do God's work, it is not our job or responsibility to weed out the unrighteous. It is left to God alone to pass that judgment. It is not our job to weed out the unrighteous. God has that judgment. We are simply called to do three things. First, if we identify as the wheat, we are to grow alongside the weeds. We are to grow and transform into fruitful plants, plants whose fruit bears witness to the presence of Jesus in our lives. Second, if we are servants, we are called to promote growth in general, not just to the wheat, but to the entire crop, regardless of what weeds we might see growing there. This, again, is a representation of God's patience and grace with humanity. You know, my grandma always used to say this line. She'd just say, I'm just an onion in a petunia patch, and all I do is cry all day. I thought it was such a weird, silly little thing to say when I was a kid, but it came back to me this week as I was writing this sermon. I always thought it was a funny thing to say. What she was saying was that she viewed herself as a weed among flowers and that she wasn't meant to be where she was or who she was or whatever. And as I reflected on her funny comment this week, I realized that we have all been an onion in a petunia patch at some point. There have been times for all of us when we were or might even still be a weed among flowers. The problem is that most of us think that we are a flower among weeds. We might want the field to ourselves, but we have to share it with the undesirables. And we might want to take God's work into our own hands and weed out the unrighteous, but we are told to live among them and nurture and cultivate a field where each person will bear the fruit of their heart. Then and only then will God determine who is the wheat and who are the weeds. And finally, if we truly are servants of Jesus and the good wheat of this story, then the world will know that through our radiant love as we shine like the Jesus of the Gospels. The wheat reflects the love of Jesus into the kingdom of God. And as we believe in the then and nowness of the kingdom of God, what I mean by that is we believe that Jesus coming to earth was the beginning of the coming transformation of the world that will be fully completed when the kingdom has fully arrived, believing that the kingdom is already partially here and now, our instruction to shine like the sun, to reflect that radiant love of Jesus into the world starts now, not later, now. I am so thankful that we can live out our trust in God's wisdom and hope for God's future by being Jesus to people, by spreading that love, by shining like Jesus. So how do we go be Jesus as we consider this passage? Well, we go be Jesus by being patient with others, understanding that just like weeds and wheat, people can have both good and bad parts, and remembering that we have all been weeds at one point or another, <laughs> we can be patient and show grace rather than judgment. We can go be Jesus by showing wisdom, remembering it's God who knows the perfect time to separate the good from the bad and not us. We can go be Jesus by creating an environment of love and hope where faith can grow like wheat, even knowing that by creating that environment, weeds will come along for the ride. In these ways, we can shine Jesus' light into our world, offering a preview for the future God promises, where the good will shine like the sun. Amen? Amen.